All right, everybody, how's it going? Thank you for tuning in to yet another episode of Ant and Big Red vs. The World. As always, I'm Big Red. And I'm Average And we've got a very, very special show for you today. Uh, with Thanksgiving upon us, we decided we might as well put together a Thanksgiving episode of Ant and Big Red vs. The World. Uh, so... And you want to tell us a little bit about what the episode's going to be like today? Yeah, so um, we were we decided to break away a little bit from our traditional formula, I guess I would say, and um, do something a little different, like Big Red was saying. So we decided, we brainstormed a little bit, and we decided to do some sports moments that we're thankful for. Um, so just all from pretty much all-time sports, I guess I would say. Um, something that had an impact on us, something that had an impact on that sport or something like that. So um, that's something we're getting into today. It's a little different from what we usually do, but it um, seemed fun, seemed interesting, keeping it new, keeping uh, you listeners on your toes. Um, don't get too comfortable because uh, we'll, we'll switch lanes real quick. But um, we do, other than the Thanksgiving special, we do have somewhat of a little bit of NBA NBA. Um, drama I guess I would say and then of course our honorable honorable mentions and big reds big ballers and busts to go along with that so we're not straying too far from uh, the beaten path I guess I would say (laughs) yeah that's right like Ann said we're keeping you on your toes Um, we thought this was going to be a fun segment Uh, definitely something to look back on I mean we're covering a lot of up-to-date news and things but this will give you a chance to kind of let us know let you know what we really appreciate in sports and kind of our sports history in that so uh it's a good show i think you're gonna like it but with that special in mind we do have some of the normal coverage for you and to get that going we're gonna start it off with some nba drama like ant said and no better place to find drama in the nba than with donkey himself draymond green (laughs) Uh, as you may have known, it's a little, little bit kind of been talked about a little now as the drama's unfolding, but, uh, Draymond Green and Kevin Durant got into a pretty hefty beef, uh, at least by warrior standards. Um, I mean, you don't, obviously there's chemistry issues, but, and so you're going to be focused on when you won that many championships, but when you've won that many championships and the way they've done it is kind of unprecedented when it's really just walking the NBA unchallenged, uh, 2015 aside. Um, but Draymond Green, the guy that literally texted KD after they lost to the Cavs and said, we need you, come play for us, um, got into a heated yelling argument in which he reportedly called Durant a B-I-T-C-H multiple times, uh, told him that they don't need him, they won without him, and he should leave. Uh, this was all pent-up frustration after Draymond got an offensive rebound at the end of one of their games and then proceeded to dribble up the court and fumble it away with Kevin Durant pounding on his chest, clapping for the ball in the final seconds. Um, obviously, no shot got put up because Draymond has got butterfingers there at the end of the games. Um and KD was visibly upset, and rightfully so. Uh, 
and it led to off-court jawing that eventually kind of brought the whole team around it. The people separating. Clay Thompson was in between. Steve Kerr is trying to calm everybody down, and I mean, really, it just became a lot of yelling between Kevin Durant and Draymond. It looked like pickup basketball when you have that one point guard that needs to take every single shot and maybe played in college, but now he's at the YMCA shooting with you. <laughs> uh, it, it had that kind of vibe to it, that like argument yelling back and forth. Um, but I mean, that's a little bit on it. There's some more stuff I've got, but Ant, I want to hear your take, at least, at least first gut reaction. The first gut reaction, I guess, was thinking about KD's free agency. Um, that's something that Draymond, like, called out to pretty much he said he said something to him then as um it was going down and then in an interview later he came out and said um whatever clay and kd decide to do um like that's pretty much on them that's what that's what they decided to do so i mean um like if i had to put money on it i'd definitely say kd's leaving um along with a lot of other people especially before this um i think kd's this was his last season he came to get his three rings. Now um, it's time for him to dip. But something <laughs> else that kind of flew under the radar is that this happened. It's happened multiple times. Like the like pretty much this exact situation where Draymond holds the ball um, at the end of the game, where KD, who I mean, obviously give the ball to KD. Um, he's arguably one of the best. He's arguably the best scorer of all time. So why not give one of the best scorers of all time the ball in a game to win it? Um, I think it's just Draymond's pride, I guess I'd say. It's his ego, he's, dude. It's done nothing just, but grow. Yeah, he's just way too prideful. I mean, for a guy that puts up like six points a game, <laughs> I don't know what he's trying to do. I've... Taking the ball up and like out, like what, like watching that play. Like I have no idea what he's trying to do. Like. Even before he fumbled the ball away, like was he like trying to drive on him? Was he <laughs> like was he trying? He dribbled like pretty much right into a double team, like in the middle of a court, in the middle of the court too. Dude, like, not even in he the did corner like the same thing against the Rockets in the conference finals last yeah. year. Like yeah, and like that goes into like what I said, and this has happened multiple times before. Um, KD's first season there, it happened like in the first week of the season or something like that against the Trailblazers, the exact same situation. Draymond carries the ball up. I think he, I, I think he turned it over. I'm not 100% sure. And then um, Katie says something like, uh, I'm the one that should be getting the ball and stuff like that, <laughs> which is like true. It like, is. It doesn't matter. Like It doesn't matter if he came and joined your team. It doesn't matter if he's leaving. It doesn't matter. Like All that doesn't matter. <laughs> you give KD the ball. <laughs> The, the chance to win it. Either KD or Steph, but Steph's out. So, I mean, pretty easy. It's pretty easy. It's pretty easy play, especially on that offensive rebound. Right. Draymond was literally, like, face-to-face with KD when he grabbed it. So, I, I, don't, I have no idea what he was thinking. I mean, like, from a basketball standpoint, it's like maybe he didn't realize how much time was left on the clock, I guess. But I really don't believe that because Draymond is, is a high IQ basketball player. I mean, yeah. his antics and immaturity aside... Uh, he's a high IQ basketball player that uh, he plays really good defense. He's uh, he's a pretty good facilitator for a big man. Um, but no, you're not. Don't ever, 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 ever take the ball with less than ten seconds in the game, in tied or down by a score. 
and not give it to Kevin Durant or Steph Curry. Like Steph Curry, I believe, was injured. Um, yeah, he was out. That's fine. I'm put. You give it to Steph or you give it to KD. Please don't ever <laughs> take. You're not the alpha. He's not the alpha scoring alpha at all. And and and. And he never has been, which is what's confusing to me about... Yeah, that's what... Yeah. Like, it, it, even when you were, like, on the rise and, like... I, I believe that Draymond Green is an integral cog in the Warriors' success. I mean, well, just yeah, look... easily. When he went down, or went, got suspended in 2015, they lost a 3-1 to lead. They blew a 3-1 to lead. Uh, obviously, credit to LeBron and the Cavs for fighting and all that, but... He's always been behind it. Steph and Clay in the scoring order. And then you recruited KD. Did he not... Would Like, you think... Oh, yeah, KD's a new guy? He'll be fourth on the... He'll, he'll finally be a guy who can score. No. No. Hey, KD is the alpha. KD needs to be taking these shots. Or Steph. And Steph's hurt. I would still probably rather see KD shoot. Like you said, he's one of the... Arguably one of the best scorers of all time. Uh, so, <clears throat> I mean, I guess from a basketball standpoint, we've got that settled. Draymond's being an idiot. Give KD the ball. I don't care if he's leaving or staying or whatever. Um, so basketball side we got, but on the side of his free agency, which was probably the biggest blow up about this whole thing, is, uh, um, a reporter from The Athletic, uh, Marcus Thompson, reported that an anonymous Warriors player said, quote, with what was said, there's no way Duran is coming back. The only hope is that they can say, CKD, we've got your back. We protected you from Draymond. Of course, referring to the one-game suspension that the Golden State Warriors handed out to Draymond after the incident and altercation. Uh, so, I've already got, a, I supposedly already have one anonymous player that's saying KD's gone. You're kind of already saying you think he's gone. Um, I mean, is is this something that you think's just developed this year, or is you think that it's kind of been in Katie's mind as he wanted to come in and get his rings and then go be the alpha again somewhere? Yeah, it's definitely been in Katie's mind the whole time. I mean, you could tell with all of his burner accounts and stuff that <laughs> he's been insecure about this move and. Um, he need he needs to go somewhere else and win something of significance. It like if he goes to like a bad team and just makes the finals or something, that might be enough. Um, but like you could tell he's he he wants to go prove himself somewhere else. Um, but I don't think like this beef with Draymond is what the deciding factor or whatever. Like I said, like he needs to go win somewhere else and he knows that everybody like on this planet knows that pretty much and um he also wants a max deal and i mean the warriors aren't be able, aren't going to be able to give him a max deal pretty much at all unless obviously they let clay walk which i don't think they do that i feel like i mean if they clay could get might, kd they'd let they'd let clay walk all day yeah but i mean that's the thing though like i don't think they're gonna wait on kd to make a decision yeah you know what i'm saying so I think they're just going to go after Clay. KD is gone. Is Clay an unrestricted so. free agent? <clears throat> I want to say so. Yeah, that makes it tougher. Um, yeah. I 
I don't know. I, I, maybe I was just kind of, like, ignorant to it just because, I don't know, Katie went to the Warriors and it was just, for me, it was just kind of, like, instant just, like, hate shield, like, over my eyes. <laughs> like, I just, yeah. I was like, dude, really? <laughs> like, why? Um, and so I just kind of, other than every aspect of the Rockets trying to build and beat the Warriors, I just kind of ignored them because it was like, well, you know, they got KD, the Rockets are pretty good this year, maybe something can happen. Uh, this was kind of last year. And so I was just like, whatever. And then they lost. Chris Paul got hurt. Still, we'll go to my grave believing that the Chris Paul stays healthy, they win. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'll go to my grave thinking that too. Yeah, right? But whatever, irrelevant. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I just kind of, I was kind of just under the impression that KD was just gonna stay there and win like Bill Russell rings. Honestly, like I, I kind of felt like that allure with him already having been there. This is his third year there now, um, yeah. going for that three P, like you said. Um, I, I was just kind of like, I mean, when you have a team that this that's this talented and literally everybody's like, well, like, Warriors are champions until proven otherwise. Uh, I was, I mean, if I'm KD, I've already committed to being this just, this dude that's viewed as like a flake that is a sellout and went to the super team. You're already viewed like that. Like, you've done that, it's been three years now. You re-signed. And so, I mean, to, like, to say that the insecurity is part of the reason why he'd leave, which, again, I don't disagree with you, because, I mean, his burner accounts, the way he acts, things like that, totally strike me. They strike you as a person that's insecure, and as a person that's like, man, people really don't like me for going here. I Maybe I should leave after we win another ship. Like, you can kind of tell that he is a little bit like that. I just kind of disagree with that philosophy if, if I'm KD. Like, I, I I agree with you, and I think that that is actually how it's kind of playing out. But from my perspective, it's like, come on. You're already here. You're already the villain. You're going to have to put in so much work to, like, remove that title. I... LeBron James is loved by everyone now, but it wasn't that long ago when LeBron James was basically KD going to the Heat. Um, now, it's a little different. Everyone will argue their own little thing, but people hated LeBron. <laughs> they burned his jerseys in yeah. Cleveland. Like That's what I'm saying. Like It's exactly like the LeBron situation yeah. where he came and got his rings, but those aren't taken very seriously. And LeBron wasn't even talked about as an all-time great at all until he finally won that one in Cleveland. And I'm, that's exactly what KD needs to do. That's what KD knows he has to do. And that's what he's going to try to do at least. And so do you think that he goes... So I guess while we're on this, I mean, this will probably be the last little piece we'll say about it. Where does he go to get this re resurgence, this... Uh, like basically reset on his legacy and his basketball career. I, first and foremost, I'd say if we had the Sonics back, if KD came to the Sonics, okay, I'm literally forgiving him on the spot. Yeah. I mean, the dude, the dudes, I've seen the dude rocking Mariners hats and stuff. Like, I, 
That would be legit. But that's not probably going to happen for another few years. So where does KD go to get his LeBron Cleveland title, basically? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question since, like, you pretty much just said he doesn't have that connection that to any team that LeBron had to Cleveland. Like, yeah, he left OKC, but he wasn't from there. And um, even if he wanted to go back, he can't uh, yeah. because of oh, the, the salary that they have. So, um, like, it's pretty much down. I mean, a lot. I watched a lot of videos about this, and um, something I thought was really interesting was him potentially going to the Knicks. Um, he said he, he's been on record as saying that he really likes playing in New York. I mean, even recently he said that he likes going to Madison Square Garden and playing. So, um, that'd be something, that'd be something low key to watch out for Katie to the Knicks. I mean, the Knicks have been a laughing stock for like, besides the Patrick Ewing era, they haven't been really been relevant at all since like the 70s so um to rest to like bring a championship back to pretty much where basketball began would be um something that would definitely solidify his legacy but like i'm not saying he's gonna go to the next but that's just something interesting that <clears throat> i thought whatever something to think about for sure um i yeah i mean and pairing him with Kristaps and uh who's their point guard it's uh frank like Nikakinia, Nikki Quinoa, and um, Kevin Knox, and they, they would have room too after they sign KD to sign somebody else. Another maybe not a max free agent, but upper tier, still like a solid, yeah, yeah. And, and one way or another, you walk KD onto that team, and you're you're a yeah. playoff team. I, I guess the the I mean the conferences are evening evening out a lot. Um, mm-hmm. honestly more this year I guess with like the Kawhi and Jimmy Butler trades and stuff um, but yeah the Knicks big he, his hometown is uh, Washington D.C. Uh, he's know. not going to the he's not going there I I mean I know zero, zero chance <laughs> I know it's tough but I mean that's that's a that's something to consider you know every time that he's been close to free agency everyone in Washington is like Ah, let's, let's, yeah, but KD literally, KD's not going there. Dude. I know, I know. But uh, Dr. J will drop D. Well, Dr. J will drop detox before KD signs with the Warriors <laughs> or the Wizards. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. I, the Knicks. Um, maybe he'll uh, like, join LeBron. A lot of people are saying the Lakers. Yeah, that's what that's what I was about to say. A lot of people are saying the Lakers, but I can't really see that if he's trying to build his legacy, like. It's then it'd be either he joined the Warriors to beat LeBron to win, or he couldn't win without being with LeBron. So, yeah, like I don't know, I can't really see that. I I mean, yeah, from from like that kind of insecurity sense, like yeah, I don't see him yeah. going there. But I mean, it'd be dope though. I'd, it'd be cool to see. That. <laughs> it would be pretty tight to see LeBron and Katie on the same team. Uh, but yeah, that's enough about that. I think that's probably the most I ever want to talk about the Warriors. Ever. Uh, one last little NBA piece that we're going to touch on is, uh, I mean, I know this happened a little bit ago now, but we're, like we said, Thanksgiving special, so we had to put a little extra work into it for y'all. Uh, Jimmy Butler traded to the 76ers for Robert Covington, Dario Saric, uh, Jared Bayless, and uh, 2022 first round 
Yeah. Uh, w for both parties, I guess I would say. Um, the Sixers did give up two of their best role players. I mean, I guess maybe besides J.J. Redick, but Robert Covington and Dario Saric were definitely the glue of their team. They're, they're two of their best shooters, um, besides J.J. Redick, obviously. But um, to give away sh that shooting with uh, the lack of shooting that they already had is kind of funny. But yeah. um, getting someone like Jimmy Butler instantly puts them back into the conversation of um, possibly coming out of the East before that, before getting Jimmy, they're still, like, I think you said it a couple weeks ago, they're the little brothers of the East. Um, but this definitely puts them top tier again, so it's good for them, good for the war, uh, Timberwolves. They got rid of Jimmy Butler. Um, they can move on. They've been playing better since he left, I guess. But um, that probably won't last long. But it's a W for both parties. Yeah, 100%. Um, I... If so, I guess I'm gonna say a W with an asterisk for the 76ers. Um, the 76ers were not one of the teams that Jimmy Butler requested he wanted to go to. Um, yeah. So that asterisk on that W can change in one of two ways. Um, Jimmy Butler resigns in the off season, or the 76ers make it to the finals. Um, I'm not, I'm not, they don't have to win it, even though I, I feel like if they made it to the finals, it means that there's been some really good development in Fultz, Simmons, uh, Embiid, Simbead, but, and then the chemistry of Jamie Butler's just kind of melded at least the three stars, Simmons, Embiid, and Butler together. Uh, so you either got to get to the finals, you have to re-sign Jimmy because you gave up Robert Covington, who's excellent on defense and, like you said, an excellent role player in spot-up shooting, who's a major glue guy. Uh, Dario Saric was young. Um, he, he has the chance to keep developing. Um, Robert Covington and Saric were a part of the best overall rated lineup uh, in the NBA last year. Uh, there was the Simmons, Covington, Saric, uh, Embiid, and somebody else but uh <laughs> but one way or another you're giving up a lot for what could be a rental player um now the timberwolves the timberwolves win no matter what like the timberwolves could have taken any of the other offers the houston eric gordon and two first round picks uh new orleans package around nikola miritich and an unprotected first um those are the two that were supposedly rejected and then whatever ones the heat earlier but it doesn't matter because the Timberwolves just needed to get Jimmy Butler off their roster. So they, they win no matter what. I think this is probably the better outcome of many of the trades, I guess. Probably is the best offer they got. Just because... Yeah, they got two proven. Yeah. Pretty good top-tier role players, so, I mean... Yeah. Uh, e exactly. And, well, obviously I wanted Jimmy Butler on Houston with the way they were playing. Um... <laughs> I, I think this was probably the best best option for what the Timberwolves wanted, which was veterans, guys that could play now and help them compete now, which is stupid. Uh, but that's irrelevant. We're not going to get into that. But uh, Timberwolves come out with come out looking pretty good, giving up Jimmy Butler, getting back some 
role, really good role players and younger guy in Saric and a first-round pick. Um, definitely a dub for both sides, especially if Jimmy fits well in Philadelphia because then he'll be more likely to sign. Um, but there's still that yeah. asterisk for me. Yeah, he's been he's already been talking about how much he likes it in Philly. So, I mean, that's a positive sign. Obviously, doesn't guarantee that he'll resign or anything, but um, it's a good sign. So, I guess if I had to put money on it, I mean, I've only been to the casino once, but um, I guess I'd have to I'd have to say Jimmy Butler will resign at least a one year deal. So, yeah, I could see that something with like a or like a two year deal with yeah, like an option. One one. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I guess, moving to honorable mentions real quick, um, we kind of already touched on the Eastern Conference, which is one of mine. Um, after the Jimmy trade, it's argue, arguable that the East is on the same level as the West, if not better. Um, they got, which at first, at the beginning of the season, almost everybody was talking about it's the Celtics conference title to lose, but that's not true anymore. We have at least four legitimate teams that can come out of the East and that are really good. They're as stacked as you can be without having four all-stars, five all-stars like the Warriors. <laughs> so, I mean, the Bucks, Raptors, Celtics, Sixers, which were some of the teams that were being talked about, talked about before the season, but now that we've been able to see how it plays out a little bit, um, it's definitely going to be something... Super cool to uh, watch out for. Um, my second honorable mention, real quick, Kemba Walker, drop 60, free Kemba, get him out of Charlotte. Uh, Please. We just, yeah, we need a free Kemba. So, shout out to him. Hmm. Uh, right on, yeah. No, the Eastern Conference, it's, it's crazy. The top four teams are Toronto, Milwaukee, the Pacers, and Sixers. Yeah. Yeah, like, honorable mention to the Pacers. They'll they'll probably slow down a little of, bit. But, I mean, of course, like um, there's definitely they're still aggression. they're still there though. Yeah, yeah. Um, cool stuff. Free Kemba for sure. Um, free Kemba, get him out of there. <laughs> uh, big Reds, Ballers, and Bus. Um, I apologize in advance. I this is totally by accident, but I'm just on this quarterback thing right now. I guess uh, so. First Big Reds Baller is uh, Lamar Jackson. Um, I thought this was really exciting over the weekend. Uh, Joe Flacco went, is down with a hip injury, and so Lamar Jackson, who's been getting a lot of wildcat looks and opportunities, I guess, finally got the chance to start and play, uh, earned that time over RG3, and he played a little bit more like a running back, but uh, it was still impressive. He got Baltimore the win. Uh, he ran for 117 yards, uh, which is the most by... Uh, quarterback in his first start. Uh, uh, 27 rushes are the most ever by a quarterback. Uh, he was 13 and 19 passing for 150 yards and a pick, so nothing spectacular, but he managed the yeah. game, and obviously the 117 yards on the ground helped the Ravens get that win over the Bengals. Um, there's also a rookie running back, uh, something Gus or Gus something. For the Ravens, that also Gus Bus probably. Yeah, it was totally Gus Bus. <laughs> um, but no, I, 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 his name's escaping me. But he also rushed for over 100 yards. He's a rookie, um, and it's it was like the first time in the Super Bowl era that a rookie running back and rookie quarterback 
uh, in their first starts had went for over 100 yards. So that was pretty cool. Uh, Lamar Jackson's balling out. Um, I'd like to see those passing numbers kind of pick up a little bit because I definitely don't want to see Lamar turn into kind of like a Tyrod Taylor type guy um, where he can definitely run around, but nobody really believes he can throw it that well. Um, so, yeah, uh, hopefully Lamar Jackson will be looking up. Maybe he'll be featured on here again. Uh, and Big Red's bust. Uh, it's the Jacksonville Jaguars and to... I don't even know if I can call Blake Bortles a bust because it doesn't matter how bad of quarterbacking he does. He's already signed his second contract and is like got like $40 million guaranteed. Uh, so really, it's just the Jacksonville Jaguars with a bust for me. Um, after starting the year 3-1, and one, they are now 3-7 and seven on a six-game losing streak um, with some real stinkers out there, like a 40-7 to seven <laughs> loss to the Cowboys. Yes, the Cowboys. I'm not even sure if they've scored more than 24 points in any of their other games. Uh, and then a 30-14 to 14 loss to the Chiefs. Now that doesn't seem that bad, but when it happened, the Jaguars were 3-1, and one, looking legit. Their defense was playing lights out. They're shutting everybody down. It was kind of like a statement opportunity. You know, like we're playing the Chiefs, who are looking like the best offense this side of the Rams. And then you get blown out, and it's the first loss in your six-game losing streak. Uh, Fournette got hurt. Their offense is bad. Bortles is bad. Their defense can't do much when they're on the field for 50 minutes a game because their offensive drives consist of Fournette for one yard, Fournette for two yards, Blake Bortles incompletion. <laughs> yeah, the biggest mistake uh, Jacksonville made was signing Blake Bortles. That They... They didn't even try to go out and find another Dude, quarterback. Case Keenum. They just signed him. <laughs> I would take Case Keenum over Blake Bortles. I would Kirk Cousins a million times. Alex Smith got traded for like a bag of trail mix, basically. I'd... Yeah, I'm taking a team, Tim Tebow right now over <laughs> Blake Bortles. I'm taking at least Tim Tebow knew how to win, dude. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Lamar Jackson though. Um, I'm a big Lamar fan, so it's good to see him ball out. But yeah, passing numbers need to be a little bit better. But we'll take it. We'll take it for his debut start. So. Absolutely. All right. Um, so I guess that gets our typical stuff out of the way. So we'll move into our Thanksgiving special a little bit. Um, like we said at the beginning in the intro, this is just some moments in sports we were thankful for um, that had some sort of impact on us or the sports in general or anything like that. So... Um, I'll hand it to Big Red. He'll go first because he's got a pretty cool one up first. Um, I don't want to give too much away. I'm not going to spoil it, so you can take it from here. Yeah, all right. Thank you, thank you. Uh, yeah, so <clears throat> like Ant said, got a pretty cool one to get it going. Um, something definitely special to the city of Seattle, so all the Seattleites out there can appreciate it. Um, but uh, without further ado, you might recognize this. Into the gap and they could win it with junior speed, the stretch. And the 0-1 pitch on the way to Edgar Martinez. Swung on the line, down the left field line for a base hit. Here comes Joy. Here is Junior to third base. They're going to wave him in. The throw to the plate will be late. The Mariners are going to play for the American League Championship. I don't believe it. It just continues. My, oh, my. Edgar Martinez with a double. Ripped down the left field line, and they 
Beasley at the Kingdom. So that right there, quite possibly one of the best announcing lines, a uh, best announcing moments in 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 baseball history at the very least. Uh, 1995, refuse to lose. Uh, first of all, shout out Dave Niehaus, rest in peace. Uh, incredible announcer. Yeah, rip, for sure. Uh, but 1995 playoff game against the New York Yankees. Game five, uh, Seahawks or not Seahawks? The Mariners were down uh, two games to one. Uh, rally back to uh, rally, yeah, two games to none actually. Uh, rallied back to to win that series in game five. Uh, it's the bottom of the 11th inning. Uh, Joey Cora leads off the inning with a bunt single. Uh, then right after that. Uh, it's the GOAT, Ken Griffey Jr., my favorite player of all time. Uh, singles up the middle, only to bring up Edgar Martinez with runners on the corners. Mariners are down by one run. Uh, there's nobody out, bottom of the 11th. And Edgar Martinez hits that famous double down the line. Joey Cora scores easily from third, and Jr. runs about as fast as I've seen somebody go around the bases. Obviously, it's biased because I'm... Just I get goosebumps just thinking about the moment, but uh, I mean just to to hear it from Niehaus and Junior scores and Mariners going to play for the American League Championship Series. Um, I mean I know I wasn't I wasn't even alive yet when this happened. I was three years from being born, um, but the amount of times that I this 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 game specifically is ranked like 13th or 14th on MLB Network's 20 greatest games of all time. I mean it's. It's incredible. You got Randy Johnson coming into pitch and in extra innings, and I, just the back and forth. Um, and so, in the bottom of the eleventh to be down, when your whole slogan that whole season has been refused to lose. You're so and so many games out of the wild card, and Buner says, "Who cares about the wild card? We're winning the division." And they claw all the way back and get the tiebreaker against the Angels. It's an incredible season. Uh, probably climax with this incredible game and that moment i mean that that clip is so recognizable it's in it's in a macklemore song uh there's another song that it's in from a chicago-based band called the 95 mariners uh it's it's unbelievable for the city of seattle as well as me as just a baseball fan i i don't think i would love baseball and sports as much if i hadn't watched on MLB Network, just time and again, just this game and just how incredible it really was. And, of course, Niehaus makes it. He, he The way – I don't have a problem with Rick Riz or Dave Sims or, like, they do a good job. But, I'm sorry, nothing compares to listening. Yeah, Dave Niehaus is on another level. Yeah, here. nothing compares to him. His voice just booming through. And my, oh, my. Um, so, I mean – my first thankful moment, tribute to that, tribute to my favorite player in Ken Griffey Jr., and tribute to who I think is probably the greatest announcer of all time, uh, and Dave Niehaus. And so, yes, that's my first moment to be thankful for. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. So, I definitely watched my fair share of that, that clip, too. Um, my grandparents had the 1995 and then the 1996 uh, Seattle Mariners seasons on VHS. Oh, there we go. So, uh, yeah, I, I, probably, I, don't, I don't even know how many times I watched both of those. So I've seen that clip a lot. I mean, it's, yeah, it's breathtaking. 
Um, especially as a Mariners fan, it's 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 dope. Fortunately, they couldn't win a championship, but yeah. I mean, that, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter at all. It doesn't take anything away it, from... Not from the moment. From that moment at all. Yeah, and, I, and the fact that they've done nothing really since then. I mean, obviously, 2001, <laughs> yeah. you tied the wins record. Great, we still lost in the playoffs. Haven't been there since 2001. I was... Uh, our birthdays are pretty close. We were just barely three, like if if even three, yeah. back of the last time the Mariners made the playoffs. So that's why I live in the past with the Mariners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, the past is a good the past is a good place to live. Uh, specifically, ninety five and ninety six. If you're a Mariners fan, yes. Sir. Uh, but I guess moving on to my first thankful moment. It's fairly recent, twenty sixteen. Uh, Warriors are down three one against the OKC Thunder in the Western Conference Finals. Um, they win Game 5. Game 6 is in OKC. Um, the OKC is leading. They've led the whole game up until 5.48 in the fourth quarter where they had an 88% chance, chance of winning. And then Clay happens. Clay Thompson goes off, just hitting any anything and everything. Um, this is obviously known as the Clay game, for those who don't know. Um, it's some... I've, like... I've wrote about this so many times in, like, my classes and stuff, but it's kind of ridiculous. Um, like, especially watching it live, he finished with 44, 41 points, 33 points from three, and had 19 in the fourth quarter. And some of the shots he was making is just ridiculous. Um, there's one where he gets past the ball at the top, at the top of the three-point line. He's, his, like, back foot is, like, almost on the um, half-court logo. And he's got some. He's got somebody in his jersey. Just pulls up what um, everything is just water. Everything he was shooting, and um, it's easily one of the best shooting performances I've ever seen. And for somebody that I've really liked shooting, like the mechanics and stuff, this is it, this is the moment where I wanted to like get into shooting mechanics and <laughs> researching all that. So <laughs> that's big for me in that point. And also. Um, because of this game and then the Game 7 win, that's what led to KD signing with the Warriors and, quote, ruining the league. But KD's move, um, fueled from this, um, pushed the league to where it is today with all the great teams and competition we have today. So that's, I'm thankful for that. So Yeah, 100%. I mean, that... <clears throat> that... By all means, the Thunder should have won that game. And Clay Thompson, yeah. uh, Wazoo grad, uh, Dooley, Mitchell Dooley will never let, never let us forget. Um, <laughs> uh, it's It was an incredible display of scoring. I mean, you you said to yourself about his mechanics, you can look at Clay and just drool yeah. over he's, just... He's the mold. Yeah. He's the mold. Just, of, it's perfect. Um, and, yeah. and so, and it's not like we haven't seen seen it before from clay like his 37 point quarter the year before yeah, um 60 points in three quarters but. yeah and but i mean that's to me that's just more a representation of how just nasty clay can be uh, when when his shot's going when he's hot uh but i mean this yeah i 100 percent agree with that moment i this was before well i guess this was the 72 and nine warriors huh yeah, seventy-three and nine. Yeah, seventy-three and nine. Um. So yeah, I mean, obviously this was pre-KD, so I mean it was 
I still wasn't a big fan of the Warriors just because I, I was I was into my LeBron. I was I was LeBron standing for sure. You're, you're in the you're in your LeBron cold. Yeah, I was I was he got he got screwed last year with Kevin Love and Kyrie going down and he put up monster performance, blah blah blah. Um and so I, I didn't really care that much about the Warriors but still wanted like LeBron to win. Um which he did that year. But uh Yeah. Just any time there's like a polarizing performance by a guy that basically like wills his team to a win is it's always impressive and it's always something to think about. But when it's on the stage like that, when you're down against Kevin Durant, you even said 88% chance of, of losing. Um, it's, it's incredible. So yeah, that's a good moment for sure. Yeah. I mean, um, side note, 2016 or 2015 to 2016 NBA season, best season of all time. Um, I'll debate you. I don't care. That's that's <laughs> this season. The yeah, that's this season where this happened. I mean, yeah, I I don't know how I can disagree with you in that. Like we had two, three to one yeah. comebacks. Like yeah, but all the storylines were crazy. In that yeah, season, so. and I almost wanted to put the whole season on there, but was like, uh, I. I like, I wasn't that big of a basketball fan, uh, like, and not as much as I am now. Like, I still was. Now now I feel like I watch all the games and teams, but back then it was kind of more like I liked the Rockets and I liked LeBron. Um, yeah. And so, I mean, that for the whole year and, and just the way, like, I, I ended up watching the finals in, in California. I was, like, on my senior trip, and I was just sitting there watching like this is an amazing series like this is yeah this is lebron james versus arguably one of the like the greatest team of all time like and then you get kd and whatever but yeah i 100 percent that whole <laughs> you you easily could have put that whole season um, yeah for sure but I'm glad i'm glad you focused in on one because clay definitely is deserving after yeah, after that for sure uh, uh so from there i guess we'll get into my next one um and so, if you didn't know, I like the Seahawks and the Mariners. Um, so my first couple, they are fe- heavily featured uh, Seahawks or Seattle stuff. Um, so we got the Mariners first uh, this time around. I don't have a clip for you, unfortunately, but uh, it's it's kind of polarizing. Um, definitely polarizing for the city of Seattle. Um, and so it's, it's not necessarily one specific moment, and it's not really even an actual sport moment, but it's one that is representative of the whole sports community. Uh, and so it's in 1997 when Paul Allen bought the Seahawks and passed Referendum 48, which was uh, to get taxpayers to come in and help for about $300 million towards CenturyLink. And Paul Allen was going to pay like 140 million out of pocket to build CenturyLink, but we needed to vote and pass that. Um, but so I mean, this this was pretty incredible. It was in February in 1996. Ken Baring uh, was the former Seahawks owner, basically out of nowhere. Uh, so it's not unwarranted. The kingdom was falling apart in shambles, just awful. It was unsafe to be there, honestly. Um, but Ken Baring out of nowhere was we're moving. Literally, vans started showing up to the Kirkland facility. 
where the Seahawks were at at the time, and just literally started moving stuff down to Anaheim. They were going to become the Anaheim Seahawks. Uh, uh, that sounds disgusting. Right. And and uh, Steve Rabel gets a call from an assistant coach and was, was like, hey, you better get down here. And Steve Rabel, uh, Seahawks announcer, radio announcer, if you didn't know, um, is like, why? What's going on? And assistant coaches were moving. And so, I mean, that was, again, it was just shock and awe. And everybody, uh, they started the SOS movement, the Save Our Seahawks. Uh, and nobody, I, really, they just needed to find somebody to buy it because Ken Baring was going to move the Seahawks no matter what. The only reason it got delayed at all was because the NFL and City threatened a $500,000 a day fine uh, because basically he was just packing everything up and moving before any deals were officially done. Uh, and so, I mean, it's to to lose your football team. Uh, we lo- we've lost a basketball team. We almost lost the Mariners in '92 before Nintendo bought them. Um, I don't know what it is. Everyone's trying to take Seattle's teams out here. It's crazy. Yeah, I don't know, dude. Uh, but I mean, to lose a team is it's it would be horrible for your community and and even even if you're not good. I mean, it's still. To not have them around, you will eventually feel it. Uh, and so this, the city of Seattle and political figures went out to find somebody that could buy the Seahawks, and they found Paul Allen, who had already owned the Portland Trailblazers, but he grew up in Seattle, um, grew up going to Huskies games and, and everything like that. And so he bought the Seahawks for 16 months, and then basically to buy an extra year, and then got that bill passed to build CenturyLink, and it passed 51% to 49%, so it was really close to being rejected. So, I'd, anybody out there that doesn't know much about this story, you were about like 30-ish thousand votes from the Seahawks not being here, uh, and so it's incredible that Paul Allen was able to step in because nobody was going to buy the Seahawks in the state they were with no stadium. Uh, and nobody really had the capital to do it. The Seahawks were going to like ended up selling for one of the highest prices at the time. Um, and so, I mean, I know this isn't necessarily a sports moment, but it's uh, Paul Allen passed away this year. So I, I wanted to do some kind of mention for him, uh, especially in a segment like this. I'm thankful for Paul Allen and thankful for him keeping the Seahawks. Um, and so, like I said, it's not necessarily a sports moment, but without this, there are no Seahawks sports moment. There is no Beastquake game. Uh, there is no Super Bowl 48. There is no miracle comeback against the Green Bay Packers. Uh, there's no Legion of Boom. There's no 12s. Uh, there's, there may not even be a Sounders. There may not even be the Sounders. And... And so I went through every single one of those moments and like, which one do I want to pick? Which one do I want to pick? And it was kind of Paul Allen is the reason they all happen. So that's why I went with him. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's uh, obviously I'm not a Seahawks fan or anything, but it's hard to um, not see how much like the Seahawks, especially now, um, like mean to the city of Seattle and stuff. Um, Like I would argue that probably the only team that has a better connection to their city is probably the Cowboys um but yeah I mean shout out Paul Allen um unfortunately RIP but save the Seahawks 
Anaheim Seahawks sounds disgusting. <laughs> Super glad that that didn't happen. Even though uh, 12, I'm not I'm not the biggest fan of the twelfth man. They're kind of annoying to me, but uh, the Seahawks are definitely Seattle. They they're Seattle Seahawks. Sounds Seattle. So <laughs> they're they're the city. They they're pre, they're a football resident representation of the city. So it's good that they stayed. Uh, obviously, they got a Super Bowl out of it eventually. So. Um, Shout out to that. Yeah, 100%. And I guess that brings me to mine. It's um, kind of, it kind of, it'll kind of go off yours um, in terms of not necessarily being a sports moment because it's a sports entertainment moment. Um, for those that don't know, I'm a big WWE fan, and um, like growing up, I was, I was super into it. So even now, I'm like still somewhat into it. I watch some of the bigger pay-per-views still, keep up with it somewhat with YouTube videos and stuff, but. Um, back in 2008 was like my prime. I was watching everything, watching every Monday Night Raw, every Friday Night Smackdown, as many pay-per-views as I could. And um, so WrestleMania 24 was in 2008. And a little background, Vince McMahon, who is the chairman and CEO, comes out, tells Ric Flair, who is, um, I mean, obviously, Ric Flair's the Wilt Chamberlain of WWE. Uh, that's, that's the comparison I like to make. So um, he comes out. And he says the next match that Ric Flair loses, he has to retire. So um, obviously, he's Ric Flair's wrestled a few matches. He's won by like disqualification, countout, just random stuff like that. But um, WrestleMania rolls around, which is the Super Bowl of WWE, and um, he has to face Shawn Michaels, who is another legend, um, my favorite wrestler of all time, who is also one of Ric Flair's best friends. And so. Um, at this time, Ric Flair is like, he's 59 years old, almost 60 years old. He's hella old. So, um, like, or I guess, backtrack a little bit. He was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame the night before this match took place. So he was the only, he was the first wrestler to be inducted while he was still active. So that's, that was, that's pretty dope. Yeah, that's right incredible. Um, but getting into the match, the 59-year-old. Ric Flair puts on he puts on a pretty good match. Like obviously you're not expecting much, dude's sixty. He's like he's visibly out of shape, like you could tell. But he puts on a really good match. Um, then at the end, Shawn Michaels. This uh, this makes this made this is a moment that made everybody cry. Shawn Michaels says, "I love you. I'm sorry." Switching music. Pins him one two three. Ric Flair has to retire. It was like. Uh, is his last mo his last match in WWE? I mean, I don't really want to talk about him going into TNA and stuff like that, but um, definitely as someone who was watching WWE a lot at the time, it was it was crazy. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm not as big a WWE fan as you at all. I mean, we watched WrestleMania uh, last year, which was tight. Um, yeah. So I mean, I definitely I definitely enjoy it, but not as big into it. Um, but I can I can completely understand how like resonating that moment is i mean we watched that rick flair documentary um yeah. and so like i know i know how like huge rick flair was and like all the things that he did uh for wwe and like i mean especially you as a fan um and so that's got to be a really really just resonating moment i mean anytime some of somebody that you in the sport that you love is retiring it's sad and then when you get like a famous line put in there it's 
Yeah, it's it's, it's crazy. all the better. It was crazy watching that, dude. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, moving on, I am jumping back into a real sports moment. This actually happened in in the football field. <laughs> uh, so a little bit of background for those of you who don't know. Uh, when I first started getting into football uh, and things, um, I, I had two teams that I was a good fan of: uh, the Philadelphia Eagles and obviously the Seahawks. Uh, now, before you just kind of roast Big Red for having no reason for liking the Eagles at all, which is true. It was more like I didn't really watch football all that much, um, and I was playing Madden 05, and Madden 05, the Eagles are raw. You got T.O., uh, Donovan Westbrook, or Donovan McNabb, and Brian Westbrook, <laughs> um, and that's the year where they went and lost to the Patriots in the Super Bowl, um, so I don't know. They were raw. I ran, like, the same three plays, like, HB off tackle, and then, like, play action, oh, whatever, and all I had to do was just hit square, huck it up to T.O. It was, like, a touchdown every time. Um, but anyway, that's kind of why I was into the Eagles, and so I, I kind of kept that fandom all for a good little while. Um, and so when Michael Vick, Deshaun Jackson, Jeremy Macklin, all those guys were tearing it up for a couple years for the Eagles... Um, LaShawn McCoy, uh, I, I was big Eagles fan. And so in 2010, uh, Michael Vick was putting together like an MVP type year. The Eagles were trying to win the division. Um, they just traded McNabb. Um, and on December 19th, 2010, the Eagles played the Giants in a game that would ultimately decide who won the division and who made the playoffs. Um, with about seven minutes and 28 seconds to go in that game, the Eagles were down 31 to 10. And from there, it was a 65-yard touchdown to Brent Selleck, then a fumble, and then a touchdown to Jeremy Macklin, then an onside kick recovered, and another touchdown to Macklin, I believe. Um, and so, I mean, they've done it now in about the span of six minutes, five, six minutes. They've scored 21 unanswered points, and it's 31-31. Um, that's all you can really ask for, right? We'll win in overtime. There's even videos of the coaches on the side saying, let's go, baby, let's go. We got this in overtime. We're going to win it in overtime. Giants three and out. There's about 12 seconds left. And then they punt it to Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Jackson proceeds to fumble the ball, muff the punt, take a couple steps back, pick it back up, and then weave his way through all 11 to the house where he dances around in front of the goal line a little bit to, as he says, make sure there was no time left on the clock. Runs it in for the only walk-off punt return touchdown in NFL history. And I just, I remember watching this game in my basement. Um, just bewildered. I, the Eagles were hot. The Giants, I was I was just devastated when they are down 31-10. to 10. I was like, this is, they're not going to make the playoffs. This is frustrating. The Seahawks weren't good right now either. So it was like, this sucks. Nothing's going well. 
and then Deshaun Jackson takes to the house and everything's forgotten. And, and Miracle in the Meadowlands Part 3, or Miracle at the New Meadowlands. And it's... That moment for me was was huge. It ingrained Deshaun Jackson as one of my favorite football players um, of all time, for sure. Uh, and So yeah, Miracle at the Meadowlands Part 3. Big, big time for me. Yeah, I mean... If you're not a fan of, if you weren't a fan of um, the 2010 Eagles, you're whack. Like, <laughs> you don't necessarily have to be out, go buy all the jerseys and stuff, but you have to at least be rooting for them. I mean, it's it was a dope team to watch. I mean, that play is that, and then the 70 yard first play of the game TD oh. bomb from Mike Vick to Deshaun Jackson is those are two of my favorite plays of all time yep. in NFL history. So um, I'm glad you mentioned it. It's, I mean, I. It's a play that holds up like it. It's incredible to watch, no matter how many times you watch it. And it's no matter how late, how later you watch it, it's it's crazy. yeah, it's unbelievable. And I, the fact that they punted it to him, everyone was just like, yeah, why, yeah. why punt it to him? And of course, the Giants punter was cut the next week, but <laughs> I think he's the only one that was upset about it because it was incredible. Yeah, well, I guess from one super clutch play to another, um, my last thankful moment um, happened in 2013. Um, game six of the NBA Finals, Miami Heat are down 3-2 to the Spurs. Um, LeBron at this point only has one championship. He's about to lose and be 1-3 in the Finals, I think it would be. Nobody, if he loses this, he's done. Like, go, go conversations are done. Just a little bit of context behind that. Um so into the gameplay, um, I guess LeBron pretty much leads a comeback. The Heat were down, the fans were leaving. They thought they thought the game was done. LeBron leaves leads a little bit of a comeback, but to tie the game, it's 95-92. Um, Spurs are winning. LeBron misses a three. Chris Bosh grabs the offensive rebound, which he jumped up. I think Tim Duncan was in the paint with him, and I want to say Tony Parker. So he gets an offensive rebound in between those two. Spurs legends. Um, he gets it, kicks it to backpedaling Ray Allen into the corner. Like Ray Allen goes from backpedaling, pulls up, splat. Like one of the wettest threes I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and um, the play call on that is just crazy. Ray Allen to the corner, three, bang. Um, it's then the crowd reaction for the fans that stayed is just crazy. Like I was watching it last night, and it, it still gave me goosebumps. Um, and I guess something that's a little funny about that too. They didn't let the fans back in that left. So good. That was, that was really funny. And um, so the Heat would go on to win in overtime because they, they tied it. It was like I want to say like five ish seconds, something like that, when you hit it. No, there's there's less time than that. I don't know the exact I don't know the exact timestamp, but um, they go into overtime. Miami Heat ends up winning that game, winning the finals. LeBron gets his second ring, and um, that's a clutch. Clutchest shot of all time, like shit up. Clutchest, clutchest three pointer of all time, and is Ray Allen, 2013. I watched it live. It's crazy. Yeah, I unreal. Um, I th I think I think I was listening on the radio, um, and I I'm pretty sure we were off to some baseball thing or whatever. But I remember listening to the radio, and it was. I mean, it's unreal. There's 5.2 seconds left after he hit the shot. 
uh, to tie it. I mean, it's just just the physical feat alone of like backpedaling, and you still had it. It's not yeah, like he was wide open. Yeah. Like he still had a defender in his he face. Has, I think yeah. I want it. Was it? I was either Manu or Tony, but they were they were in his face. They had a hand in his face. So. Uh, yeah, it was, it was, it's Manu, um, and then Kawhi Leonard's right behind him. Um, yeah. And so I mean, just the shot alone is an unreal feat. And then, but to also put a stamp on LeBron's legacy, like that. Yeah. Ray Allen saved LeBron's legacy. He really did with this one shot. Um. And so, yeah, incredible moment. Definitely had to be on here. Um. And, yeah, so without further ado, that wraps up our Thanksgiving special. Uh, I really hope you guys liked it. Um, if you yeah, feel free to let us know about some of your greatest sports moments. Um, maybe we'll talk a little bit about them on another episode or something. But, um, yeah, happy Thanksgiving from Boy Big Red. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving. It was fun um, doing this. It's always fun to look back on um, sports in general and things that you liked and looking back at all the details and context that went behind it um, that make the moment what it was is it's really dope so um, thank you all for listening and uh, I'm Avajant and we'll see you, I'll see you next time yeah just want to second that thanks thanks for listening guys uh, we really do appreciate it um, big red signing off yeah. I don't think they can see your salute they can see my salute you guys can see my salute, right? <laughs> yeah. We'll put it in the, tra- the transcript. We'll, we'll get it in there. <laughs> right. See ya.